Section 30 of China, Japan, and the Islands of the Pacific. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World Story, Volume 1. China, Japan, and the Islands of the Pacific. Edited by Eva March Tapan. Section 30. The Chinese Theater by Archibald Little When traveling in China through the scenes made famous in song and history, I have been astonished at the accurate knowledge of the old wars and dynasties displayed by illiterate boatmen on the river and by our porters on land journeys. They are never tired of pointing out historic sites to the foreign traveler, and expatiating upon the great deeds of former generations. It was a long time before I could learn whence these men derived their knowledge, so far surpassing the acquaintance with history displayed by similar classes in our own country. I at last discovered that they had learned their history in that pleasantest and most impressive of all schools, the theatre. Elaborate historical dramas form the bulk of the performances given in the public theatre, which almost every village in China possesses, by companies of strolling players who are paid by subscriptions from the more wealthy inhabitants. These companies are generally hired for a week or a fortnight. The performance commences at noon and goes on till about nine at night. The extraordinary endurance of the actors, an endurance characteristic of the Chinese in all their avocations, is shown by the long successive hours they spend upon the stage. And as all the important pieces are sung to the accompaniment of the band, how they support the strain upon the voice is almost incomprehensible. They have a large repertoire which they carry in their heads. Many of them have no books of the plays. They are apprenticed as children, and so learn the pieces by rote at an age when the memory is especially vigorous. A mark of attention to a distinguished visitor is to hand him the repertoire and ask him to choose a play out of some hundred pieces contained therein. I have often selected an unpopular and seldom performed play, and never found the test too much for them, the piece being produced immediately. On the other hand, should a play on the program happen to contain a character of the same name as that of the visitor, it is at once suppressed. Although there is no scenery, the dresses are extremely handsome, elaborate embroideries being worn by princes and generals, and generally the dressing and get-up are careful and accurate. There is no curtain and no drop scene, and curiously enough, there is no interval between successive plays. Only a peculiar note is sounded on the cymbals, a signal known to the initiated. This has led Europeans to state that a Chinese play went on forever. It is true that sometimes when a succession of historical plays is given, the same story may go on for three or four successive days. There is, moreover, one celebrated play which has no less than twenty-four acts. 
As a rule, however, the lighter Chinese pieces are even shorter than ours. While theatricals are being performed, the whole village is on fete, all in their best clothes, the ladies in the galleries with little tables on which are tea and cakes and other delicacies, while families in the wide area of the open pit sit all day long with their tea and pipes, enjoying themselves in a way that it is a pleasure to see. In the cities, plays are given in the very handsome theatres attached to the guild halls, of which every large trading city in China has several. Performances are given on the feast days of the guilds, when the members are invited to the dinners quite as elaborate as those given by our own city companies. The feast, which extends over several hours, is accompanied with much ceremony and ancient ritual observances, while the plays go on uninterruptedly. A common penalty when disputes are arbitrated by the guilds is fining the defendant in a theatrical performance, which, if extended over the usual three days, costs about ten pounds, the average number of a company being thirty men, female parts being all taken by men and boys, as in the Middle Ages. During their long hours of song, the actors are refreshed by means of shabbily dressed coolies who walk casually onto the stage and hand them tea at intervals, but whom the audience are supposed to regard as invisible. Rough indications of scenery are given in a primitive way. A beleaguered general, sitting on a chair raised on a table, addressing an actor standing on the stage is supposed to be parlaying with the commander of the besieging force. Cavalry are indicated by a whip held in the hand, and when dismounting or mounting to ride off, they go through the action of bestriding a horse. The actors who take women's parts speak in a high falsetto voice, and in their makeup and get-up are indistinguishable from real women. A table covered with an embroidered cloth may represent a throne, or with plain red cloth, a magistrate's yeoman. End of section 30. This recording is in the public domain.